We have been, I was going to show y'all, we have been going through this book over the course of this past summer. It's called The Church Called Tove. It's by Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger, and it's about forming a, a goodness culture that resists abuses of power and promotes healing. I highly recommend. If you haven't, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend getting it because it's, it's a case study. It's a case study from, unfortunately, recent examples of um, abuse and things that have gone wrong in churches. Um, I love that Scott McKnight, he's a truth teller, and he just says it like it is, and he calls out some really hard things, kind of some things that the church has not wanted to acknowledge. And so we've, we've gone through this book just working and understanding what does it mean to have a culture of goodness within the church and what does it mean also to take preventative steps so that we don't make mistakes and we don't engage in behavior that is um, not good and not honoring to the Lord and, and actually gives the newspapers lots to write about and doesn't make the kingdom of God look good or inviting. So this is uh, where we've been working from and we are on the last chapter and the last chapter, you know, I, I, I felt like I got so much out of this, and I really hope that you will as well, because it not only defines what a culture of being Christ-like looks like, but it also calls out what does the pastor do that is important for the church. Um, I know that you have had a, an eighth of a pastor this year because my time has been limited because I'm here primarily on Sundays. And I, it hit me, too, of, of how much... Um, the church is going to flourish and the good things that are coming when you're going to have a full-time pastor here um, engaging in pastoral care during the week, um, living life with you in more abilities than I have because I've lived (laughs) an hour away. But it just made me excited for what is coming for New City. And so I got really excited as I read this final chapter. And um, I hope to condense this and I, I pray that it will be helpful for you as well. So let's pray as we come to God's word. Thank you so much, Lord, for this day. God, we thank and praise you for your love. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one that defines us. Thank you, Lord, that truly as we live with you and and learn from you and our lives become more and more surrendered to you every day, we do look more like you and we act like you and we represent you well. Lord, I pray for everyone here as they um, bear your name, they are identified by you in your life and death and and you're rising from the tomb, Lord, that we look like people, born-again people that are new in our hearts and our minds. Um, Lord, that we, we represent you well in how we love, especially. So God, I just pray that you would empower this body of people to, to do that in this world and in, in their relationships at work, um, in their homes, in their friendships, in their communities. And oh God, may, may your church rise up and, and make you look good and represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Hebrew word for tov means good. Here's just a recap of what we've talked about every Sunday. First of all, Hebrew is defined as good. It is talked about over 700 times in Scripture. And this is a big deal because God is good. And when we live our lives that are from his goodness, then we also represent his goodness and we do his goodness in this world. It's a big deal. So we think about this as a, to- a tov church, a church that is full of God's goodness, and that is our center of our culture. It nurtures Christ-likeness. And I want you to think about a couple things. That our allegiance is to Jesus Christ, 
and he establishes our identity. That means that as followers of Jesus Christ, we no longer identify ourselves like, like I'm me. You know, we're, we have a very individual, independent culture in America. We don't really have a, um, an understanding of a, lot of, of a lot of other cultures, which it's more communal or community-oriented. We are more individual in America. But when we come to, peop- to the church and our identity as Christians, our identity comes from Jesus. He tells us how to live, he points us in the direction we should go, and he fills us, fills us with hope. And as we think about being Christ-like, it also means that we express that hope and that goodness to those that are around us. Scott McKnight um, talks about the purpose of the church being to join with the Lord in his redemptive and restorative work. Have you really thought about that? Like, what is the purpose of church? A lot of times we think it's coming to coming on Sundays, we come to sing, we come to hear um, a sermon, we come to, like this church, we come to have good food together every week, we see our friends. But really the purpose is that we join with Jesus in redeeming and restoring this world. That is what we are to do. And then the other things, the other benefits of being together, having the good food, reading God's word, um, you know, having friends to be with, serving our communities, that all follows, but it's first that we join in redemption and restoration. Like we were talking last week too, Steve and I were talking about, um, and Katrina about like, we also join in creation care. We join in, in how we are partners with God and stewards of this world. And we join in um, redeeming and restoring not only relationships and people to Christ, but we also take part in, in making our world a better place by how we live and what we do. And so the church is to be a local community of believers who are striving to be like Christ, both as a congregation and as individuals. So we do this individually, and we do this together. I think about that commercial that used to be on when Michael Jordan was such a big deal. I want to be like Mike, that one. And so many children want to be like Mike. I mean, we have the whole Nike swish symbol that's a big deal because of Michael Jordan. So we think about how we have so many people we could emulate and be like, and, and that's, you know, that's all in good, but really the person we want to be like is Jesus, and we want to do and live like he does. Leadership in the church is then to be different than the world's way. It's not on hierarchies and reporting relationships, but it's rather on interdependence with each other in Christ. As we think about each one of you are gifted individuals working together to honor, worship, and serve God. We get to see that show up in so many ways, and we're a smaller church, and so we especially get to see that on display because we all have to use our gifts to make this work and and go well. And we do that under the exclusive headship of Jesus Christ, empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, I I caught something the other day. I just wanted to to say this to you. Um, So this is the Bible that I was given by the Covenant Church when I was ordained. And then I also have, I have, I have an older, really beat-up Bible that you've probably seen, and it, I was given that when I was commissioned. That one is falling apart, and it also fell in the bathtub, so that's unfortunate. Thankfully, though, <laughs> I don't know if any of you read your Bibles in the bathtub. I do, and one night I nodded off. Sploosh! Not good. My husband's like, you should not fall asleep in the bathtub. I'm like, I know, I know. My poor Bible took a hit, too. Um, thankfully, this is still in there. Sorry, I just air all my bad secrets. But um, I caught this, and I, it was reminded, reminded me of, of the calling that I have as a pastor, and we have as pastors, and it's in, this, in front. Receive this book. Here are the words of eternal life. Learn from them. 
live in them and proclaim Christ the living word. That's for all of us. As we receive these words of eternal life, we learn from God's word, we live in them, and we proclaim Jesus Christ, the living word. But this is especially to pastors. Keep watch over the whole flock in which the Holy Spirit has appointed you shepherd. Encourage the faithful. Restore the lost. Build up the body of Christ that when the chief shepherd shall appear, you may receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, I... When I read that, it just reminded me of that is what I'm to do every day for those that God has entrusted me to. And those of you in your homes, you are to shepherd your homes. We are to be like Jesus. In John 10, I just want to remind you what Jesus says. <clears throat> Jesus says in John 10, first of all, 10.10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The thief only comes, think about that. The thief is the devil. The thief, his only job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus gives us the model of what he he does for us, but then he also tells us as we shepherd people that are under our care to do the same. We live a life that is sacrificial. We live a life that is taking care and noticing and keeping track, and it's important. And so we think about this leadership in the church is very different because Jesus modeled to us leadership that is sacrificial. It's, it's looking after, it's caring. It's not kind of like the cutthroat, cutthroat ways of hierarchies and reporting relationships. And unfortunately, we have too many models of megachurches that have become so big that they become like hierarchies and um, business model churches, and that's important. <clears throat> so Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger note how our culture has impacted the church. And I, I caught that because... Really, the church should be the one impacting culture. And there's, these, there's some good things in this. It, I don't, don't hear me bashing um, business culture in the church, but it just, it just caught me. And I think because our church is smaller, we don't have this. But it's something to be aware of and guard against. And maybe it's because a lot of you have chosen a smaller church because of this. <clears throat> um, there's this thing called the merit... The merit Merit, I can't even say this one. Meritocracy. I had, I had so many times, I'm like, what is this word, meritocracy? <clears throat> David Brooks says this, the meritocracy is the most self-confident moral system in the world today. It's so engrossing and seems so natural that we're not even aware of how it encourages a certain economic vocabulary about non-economic things. He says, words change their meaning. Character is not longer a moral quality oriented around love, service, and care, but a set of workplace traits organized around grit, productivity, and self-discipline. So the point of this, of how culture has impacted the church, is that a lot of, a lot of churches have um, measured growth or, or value or worth or success by this meritocracy of, 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 of success, meaning how well you're doing by outward, maybe business model appearances. And it's something to guard against in the church because you think about how Jesus did things and it was not from a business model necessarily at all. Um, and a lot of churches have, have, I remember going to church conferences and, and realizing that it was 
business models applied to how you get butts in the seat, how you get more giving units, which is pretty much people that give money. And it wasn't on how do people grow spiritually? How do they um, flourish in their relationships with Christ and one another? How do, how do their, their love and their, and their goodness and how Christ is in them reflect others that others want to come to know Jesus through that? It's more like how do we, you know, even, even to our you know, this, Jamie's going to laugh at this one, but I'm like, let's use Facebook algorithm to get people to, to know about our church out there. I mean, we have to use things in the world, but it really isn't the way that we work from the, from the get-go. It's how is Jesus Christ impacting how we live and love and act, and that is how God works. And this is really important, just that character, you know, that character that sets us apart as Christ followers you know, in the business world, it's, it is. It's work, workplace traits that are around grit, how hard you work, um, how productive and efficient you are in your self-discipline. Those are all good and all, but it's not exactly the kingdom of God principles that we are to apply first. So the purpose of the church is not, if we can think about what it is not, it's not to be achievement-oriented or mer- meritocratic. When this happens, we see success and growth of the church through accomplishment and numbers. And that caught me too because um, we have been struggling with numbers, just to say it. Like that's, that's, that's challenged a lot of churches. And when I say we, I mean we as the church globally. Um, we, we, we were called a post-Christian society, but especially since the pandemic when churches were shut down and those natural rhythms of people coming and being in person together. And it has been hard since that happened. And so if we look at success and growth through accomplishments and numbers, well, maybe that's not such a great way to look at it. But if we look at success as through Jesus looks at it, we see it very differently. Um, Eugene Peterson talks about um, the purpose of the pastor. And this, I hope, will make sense of the success of the church. Is Pastors are supposed to be the spiritual directors of their faith community. We are to be encouraging the community in acts of praying, reading scripture, and giving spiritual direction. Pastors are to be leaders, leading people towards spiritual formation and mentoring them into Christ-likeness. And so when I look at churches like New City, I see success because I see people loving Jesus, loving each other, digging into God's word, asking hard questions, having difficult family conversations, but doing it really, really well. And so when I look at the purpose of our church then and the purpose of of the pastors that started this church with those core principles in mind, I see a lot of success and I see a lot of things going well. The pastor is to then pay attention and call to attention what is going on right now between men and women with children, with one another and with God. This kingdom of God that is primarily local supposed to be relentlessly personal and prayerful without ceasing. And that was Eugene Peterson's memoir of the pastor. And so we think about, as a church community, we call together, what is God doing right now? What is happening in our midst? And how do we see God at work? And how do we join him in his work? I get excited then about what churches like New City are doing, because as we lean into that, that is when God does amazing things. In the circle of Tov, we, we have completed the circle as we've gone through Tov being nurturing empathy, nurturing grace, putting people first, telling the truth, nurturing justice, nurturing service. And then now as we think about nurturing Christ-likeness, as we do those things, that goodness culture flourishes and thrives and continues. And it doesn't mean we're going to always get it right, but it means that is what we are striving for. In a Christ-like culture of Tov, something different 
from the culture of the world pervades, something so upside down and backwards, it is nothing less than stunning. Jesus calls people to follow him to the cross, and the Apostle Paul uses that cross-bearing life to redefine true success. I just want to encourage you from 1 Peter chapter 5. If you want to grab your Bibles and, or on your phones and read this with me. But this is what Peter exhorted the church with words of appeal. I appeal, for you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to serve, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And that was alluded to in the front of my Bible as I read to you. He said, in the same way you were her younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because... God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. He tells the church, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, looking like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You think about as we follow Jesus and we love people, we nurture them, we model Christ-likeness, we, we are humble. You know, we do what Andrew and I read in Philippians 2. We, we think about loving others above ourselves. We think about being like Jesus in how he didn't consider himself to be better than or he, he emptied himself. He gave himself up for us. Um, Eugene Peterson's message says, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had clinged to the advantages of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless obedient death and the worst kind of death at that a crucifixion because of that obedience god lifted him high and honored him far above anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and earth even those long ago dead and buried will bow and worship before this jesus christ and call out and praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of god it says that we are to live a christ-like life that is also identifying with jesus in his death and his resurrection so this is called Christoformity. It's a cross-bearing life, a life surrendered to Christ Jesus for the sake of others. As a church body, we do this together. We do this through pastors modeling this to you and, and living this um, in, in finding ways to teach this to you through scripture. But we also do it as we think of Jesus gave his life for ours and so he expects us also to live in that same way. I keep thinking about that as, as we live a life that is surrendered to Christ what happens if we measure success and growth differently? Um, we start a series next week on growth. It's going to have parentheses, T-H. And we think about as we grow and we look at success, we're going to define success by being Christ-like. And we center on looking like him. 
in how we lead in our preaching and teaching through worship and song. If we think about how Jesus tells us to zone in and to um, focus on those things, how we lead looks very humble and Christ-like. Our preaching and teaching is centered on the gospel. And as we worship in song, that is what it looks like. And I feel like New City, we're on to that, and I see that happening. And so if you keep it reimagining church as a school for sinners who are gradually learning the way of Christ, it also helps us come together every week knowing that we are all growing. We're all at some part of the continuum, but we're doing this together. That makes me really, really excited. I get excited for the growth that is going to happen as you live that and you invite other people into that story. So here's some things that I just I want you to be thinking about. That as, um, as followers of Christ, we are going to express the mission of God as Tov. God's mission is good. Working to more become like Jesus together. We will allow for space for the creative work of God's Holy Spirit to lead in our church. We are going to seek the Holy Spirit together for discernment, for God's toe, for God's goodness to flourish and take root. And we are going to be people who dwell in the word. We let the word speak about how the Lord is leading us towards tove. We also cooperate with other churches in the process of eradicating a toxic culture into a church called tove. It takes work, it takes intentionality, but I just pray that as we keep doing this work and as God prepares us for, um, for a new pastor to come, and as we continue to, to think about what does growth look like for us as a community, that we not only grow numerically, but we first of all grow into becoming more like Jesus, um, what that is going to be, and I get excited for that. So please keep praying about that as a community this summer. Um, and if you have questions, let me know, but I really feel thankful we were able to go through this book together this summer, and I hope, I hope you all got something out of it. So um, let's pray as we close. Oh God, thank you so much for for your way, which is very different than the world's way. God, help us to, to not measure ourselves by the world's standards, but by your standards. And God, may we please you above all else. I pray, Lord, for a new city as we um, prepare ourselves for a new season, for a new season of growth, um, a new leader. First of all, a new, a new shepherd and a new pastor. And God, may you... Um, Help us, God, to get ready to make an impact in our world by, first of all, being like you. I pray this will happen every day through our relationships, what we do and what we say. And, Lord, I pray that we will be people that spend time with you individually and together and prioritize that. Thank you for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.